0: Welcome to the Vood Church Podcast. Are you experiencing sorrow, grief, heartache, disappointment? In the midst of our crisis, God is near. In the final week of our collection, Christ in Crisis, we examine the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. In this message, God Grief, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. shares how Jesus is acquainted with our tears. If you'd like to stay up to date with this collection of talks, subscribe to the podcast. Now, let's lean into the message.
1: If you have a Bible, go ahead and reach for it. John chapter 11 is where I want you to turn. John chapter 11. Team did such a good job, man, aren't we blessed? We're so blessed, week in and week out, too many people to thank, so many people serving to make this place feel like a home. And I just uh, have a deep sense of gratitude in my heart today to be a part of it. I've also got some friends up on the stage helping me preach today. Make some noise for the preaching corner over here. They turned you all into a choir. They turned you all into the note takers and everyone's watching you, so be careful. Don't screw it up. Don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. I'm kidding with y'all. John chapter 11 is where I want us to look for a few moments and this is what the Bible says, starting in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also were weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Verse 34, where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? And um, today I want to take these five verses if we can and i want to use it as a foundation to preach uh, our final installment of a collection of talks that we have been calling christ in crisis the god who understands us more than we could ever imagine ever know he gets you he sees you and i want to preach this final message uh i've titled today's talk god grief god grief and uh, i believe it's going to minister to your heart lord we thank you for your word we thank you god that it finds us at the right time. And God, it's always potent. It's always powerful. It's always relevant. And so Lord, now we get out of the way and we let your spirit do the heavy lifting. There's people watching today, Lord, that are heavy. There's people in the room today that are worried. There's people at one of our locations today, Lord, that can barely continue to move forward. Lord, I'm believing that over the next 30 minutes or so that you would do the miraculous, that you would begin to speak life into dry bones and that you would give us fuel from heaven to continue to move forward. We love you, Jesus. And if you agree with that prayer, all of God's people said? All of God's people said? Somebody give Jesus a little bit of praise on this Sunday morning. We have been covering ground for the last few weeks, those of you that are just joining us. And we've been talking about all sorts of just different areas of crisis and pain and trauma, but how we discover God right there in the midst of it. That over and over again, he shows up in our pain and he shows up in our sorrow. And I suppose one of the areas that the enemy tends to lie to us the most and the loudest is when we are in seasons of grief. This lie that we have been looking at for the last few weeks from the enemy is this lie that he says to you over and over again, nobody understands. And we have to combat the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. And God's word lets us know that we serve a high priest who understands all of our temptations, who understands all of our weaknesses, yet he did not sin. And he sits at the right hand of the Father today and the advocates on our behalf But whenever we're going through something, we don't have to wonder, does anybody understand? We can know that there is one who went before us who's experienced all of it. Grief is um, an interesting thing. And until you've gone through grief, it's it's really hard to explain. Uh, The most common way that people will face grief, and all of us at some point will face it, is usually through the loss of a loved one. We lose loved ones in different ways. Sometimes that's through abandonment. Sometimes that's through betrayal. But one of the ways that all of us will experience is through death, the loss of a loved one. And psychologists talk about different stages of grief, that typically there's five stages of grief that we go through, and there's not always a particular order, but it usually begins with denial. It moves into anger. Uh, there's this area where there's resentment and bargaining, and then finally you sort of, land of this moment of acceptance. And there's what psychologists talk about, normal grief, that you go through all these things of guilt and these feelings, and at some point, with time, you come out on the other side. But there's also things called complicated grief, where it just seems like the grief doesn't leave you, that it totally alters your life forever. I think the good news that we have today is that if you are grieving, I believe you've come to the right place. Because in our hours of grief and in our hours of mourning and sorrow, there is a God who not only experienced grief, but he overcame grief and he comforts us in our grief. Now, one of the most powerful things you can do is praise God while you're grieving. You know, there's a lot of things that we only get to do here on earth. And one of them is when it comes to heaven, when we all get to heaven and we will all worship God, guess what, we will worship God totally healed, totally pain-free, no sickness in our body, no grief anywhere. But right here today on earth, we get to praise God even while we're grieving. So I want to give you an opportunity today before the message even gets going in faith to begin to praise God. If you're in sorrow, in pain, heartache, why don't you go ahead in faith and lift up a shout of praise, praise him on earth because you can't praise him like this in heaven i can worship god while i'm grieving i don't worship god out of some false sense of hype i worship god like peter talks about with an eternal hope an eternal hope that this god has faced this kind of grief he's overcome this grief but more importantly he will comfort me in the grief John chapter 11 is our text today, just reading five verses from this powerful story. If you've never read the story of Lazarus, I would encourage you to go back because in John 11, you discover some powerful traits and truths about our God that you don't see in other parts. I mean, it's really, really beautiful, the entire story. Just a little bit of context so I can bring some of the truths I wanna to bring to you. What's happening here in John chapter 11 is that one of Jesus' dearest friends, a man by the name of Lazarus, everyone say Lazarus. Lazarus, his friend, has, has, has died, or is about to die, he's gonna die, we'll, we'll see, and he has uh, a letter come from Lazarus' sisters, their names are Mary and Martha, someone say Mary, someone say Martha, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother, are some of Jesus' dearest friends he loves them. Some of the stories you remember, remember that one story, Jesus shows up to go to the house of Mary and Martha. And when he gets there, Martha's in the kitchen cooking, because she's trying to serve Jesus with her cooking. But then there's Mary, there's something about Mary. She's just at the feet of Jesus, like, oh, tell me more, you know, and, and Martha's angry, like, why aren't you in here helping me make this cake, girl? We got God in the house, and you're over there just hanging out. But remember Jesus, he gets mad at Martha and he says, Martha, Mary's chosen the better thing. I mean, he gets in the middle of a cat fight, okay? That's just one of the ways that we know he's God, right? Like just in between. He, he loves this family. And the scripture says in John chapter 11 that Lazarus has gotten sick. So sick that he's about to die and we'll see that he does die. And with it, Mary and Martha They're wise because they say, "Wow, if Lazarus is about to die, we should probably call upon Jesus. We've seen him do some stuff already. I know and believe he could heal Lazarus. So they go, all right, we we gotta send a letter to Jesus. And I always just like to take some time just imagining, like, what do you do? What do you put in that letter to get Jesus' attention? Maybe let's use text messaging. Like, how do you craft the perfect text To get Jesus to stop whatever he's doing to come and be with you. My dad is one of these kind of guys that when he texts you, he texts in all capital letters. So it doesn't matter what it is, hello, you're like, what happened? You know, like it's all caps, you know, like it's just everything feels urgent with dad. I don't know if I was crafting a text to Jesus, something tells me I'd put it in all capital letters. Uh, I would try to be very eloquent. Um, I think I would wanna be very formal. I'd wanna make sure I said everything just perfectly. Sometimes we can be the same way in church, right? We can come to church and we can think like, I gotta praise God like this. And when I speak, I gotta speak in old English because that's how God speaks. I beseech thee brethren on behalf of the saints. It's like, what? where are you from? Are you from Hialeah? You don't talk like that, bro. (laughs) We know you, okay, stop. Kendall, don't talk like that, okay? Opelaka in the house. We don't talk like that, okay? Sometimes we can put on this projection because we think we have to earn. We have to earn the favor of God. We have to earn the mercy of God. I love it because when you study the letter that they actually send somewhere on the journey, they go, you know what? Let's just remind him of what we already know. And the letter is short and sweet and just like our prayers ought to be at times. They simply write to Jesus, the one You love is sick. And we could do an entire collection just on that little phrase. The one you love is sick. Could it be possible that God's love for you is enough to get his attention? The one you love is sick. My Bible tells me that it's by grace, through faith, that we're saved. Don't skip over that little text because that little text is what we hinge our faith on. That I couldn't earn my way to God. I couldn't go to enough church services. I couldn't wear the best Sunday outfit. I couldn't fast enough. I couldn't give enough offerings. I couldn't do enough humanitarian aid to earn my way to heaven. It is only by grace through faith. Notice, faith is a byproduct of grace. I can't earn anything from God. His grace, His unmerited favor. Some of us, we get proud about our great faith and our strong faith and our amazing faith. Understand, you can't even have faith without His grace. His grace is enough. So when you come to Him and you're in a moment of grief and you're in a moment of pain, just be honest. We talked about it last week. God, the one you love is scared right now. God, the one you love is afraid. The one you love is hurting. The one you love is sick. The one you love is going through it right now. Why? Because God's love for you is greater than anything you could ever do for him. Anybody believe it? In the house, his love is enough. Woo! His love is enough. He's moved by his love for you. It's his love for you that moves him towards you. And the Bible says that they send this letter and Jesus receives the letter. I love it so much. He gets the letter and he loves Lazarus. And as he opens up the letter, he declares out loud, you gotta go back in the text and he says, this sickness will not end in death, but rather God will get glory through this. It's powerful. He makes this proclamation, this sickness will not end in death, but God will get glory. And then the Bible says, he waited two more days. This is the mystery of God. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Put yourself in their shoes. All right, we craft our letter. He's dying, he's sick. The one you love is sick. We need your help, Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm I'm coming to you, don't worry. It's not gonna end in death. Uh, I'm gonna wait here two more days. No, 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 no. I don't think you heard us. Um, he's dying like now. I heard you. I'll, I'm going to wait two more days. I got some stuff I got to do over here. It, it's amazing to me because he answers them by delaying them. Some of you, you, you need to allow God's word to become quite relevant in your own practical life. Some of you are going, I don't, I don't think God has answered me. God is nowhere to be found. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, are you being delayed or is he just answering you? Is he just, is he just answering you? He doesn't come when they want him to come, but rather he chooses to wait two more days before he goes back to Bethany. To you and I, this almost seems cruel. To you and I, we don't understand. Wait, you love us, you're for us, but you're gonna wait two more days? Just because you don't understand what God is up to doesn't mean that God is not up to something. You might be hurting right now, but even while you're hurting, it doesn't mean that God's not helping you. You've got to begin to believe and trust in a God who said, it will not end in death. It will not end in death. He never said it won't taste like death. He never said it won't feel like death. He never said it won't look like death. He never said it won't smell like death. He declared it will not end in death. I need somebody in this room to get your faith up because you have been limiting God because you think the season is over. And he said, no, you gotta turn the page. You gotta step into the next chapter. There's a bigger story I'm telling. He said it won't end in death. Didn't say it's not gonna look like death, feel like death. May this be an encouragement to anybody in the room. That some of us in this place, we have limited our God. We have begun to believe that which we see, forgetting that we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And some stories can't be told on one page. Sometimes they require chapters. If the story's really good, it requires a season. If it's really good, it has to go into a series. If it's really good, the series has to have multiple seasons. Some of you have no idea that the story God is telling with your life is so big, it's so great. You gotta keep turning the page to discover his promise on the other side. I feel like preaching to somebody right now that has given up hope. It will not end in death. It will not end in death. Oh, but Rich, it feels like it's ended in death. No, no, my friend. He said this. He said, in the end, it's going to be good. Well, Rich, it's not good. Well, that just means it is not the end. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. If you're breathing, come on, somebody. He's still working. He's still working. He's still working. It's not over until he says it's over. It's not over until he says it's over. Why does he wait too more? We'll discover, but always, always when it comes to God. His first priority is not you, it's not me. His first priority is his glory. And you have to discover this about a perfect God. He will get his glory. And sometimes if he answered you in the way that you wanted him to answer you, It's in the delay that he gets the glory. The Bible says that he waits two more days, but if you know the story, he waits two more days and um, the worst happens, Lazarus dies. Jesus rolls into Bethany and he's greeted by Martha, the older sister, and Martha's being, Martha, if you had been here, If you have been here, it, this won't happen like this. Where were you? If, if only you had been here, he, he would not have died. And I just, I just wanna to try to speak to the moment, if we could just pull off the facade of religion and play in church for a moment. Many of us watching online, in our locations today, you, you might not be as bold as Martha, but like in your heart of hearts, you have that same story. Where were you, God? Why didn't you show up? If only you could have solved this. You could have have spared this. Why why did that have to happen like this? Why did this go down like this? Where, Where were you? And scripture says that Jesus, he's so moved by their grief. I mean, we see it there in the text. He's moved by their sorrow. He's moved by their tears. The Bible says that he says, I I want you to take me to the place of where you buried him. Where 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 did you bury him? Where did did you place him? Then all of a sudden right there, I don't know if you noticed it. If you've been around church, you've probably heard it before, but it's verse 35. It's the shortest verse in all of the Bible, but just because it's short doesn't mean that it's not profound. It says, Jesus wept. So he sees their tears, and then the God of the heavens and the universe, he begins to weep. It's God grief that Jesus wept. And you say, Rich, why are you pointing that out? I'm I'm pointing that out because, once again, we've been talking about the incarnation of Christ. That's a doctrinal term about the idea that Jesus is all God, but he came and put flesh on. That's the whole premise of this collection that we're learning good theology, which then shows up into our living. But a lot of people want to focus on behavior before they work on heart transformation. And a lot of people want to focus on living before they actually get down to what they believe. And so we believe that Jesus is God. And I just find it a little bit fascinating that God, if he's God, he's omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. He's omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. So he knows that he's going to heal Lazarus. He's willing and able to heal Lazarus. But before he does it, he weeps with them. Woo! I know it's just Jesus wept. Like I, by the way, if you're looking this year to memorize a verse, you got one. <laughs> Next time you're, you know, what's your favorite Bible verse? Oh, John eleven thirty-five. 35, Jesus wept. You got it. And don't let anybody tell you that's too simple because it's in there for a reason and it's that short for a reason. It's that you will never forget that Jesus wept. It was the great... Welsh revivalist Reese Howells, and he taught about inaccessory prayer, which I would encourage our church. At some point, you have to mature in your faith that not all of your prayers can be about you. If God answered all your prayers, what would happen? Would the world change or would just your world change? Incessory prayer is when I stop just praying about me and I start praying about you and other people around me. And What's powerful is that Reese Howells, he taught it this way. He said that breakthrough in intercessory prayer happens in three different phases. And I could teach these phases. We could even align it up with today's text. But breakthrough, he would teach the people around him that if you're going to pray inaccessory prayers for other people, it requires three things before you see the breakthrough. The first word is the word identification. That whoever you're praying for you have to identify their pain you have to identify their issue you have to identify their sorrow you have to identify their grief but it doesn't just stop with identification he says the second part is agony that if you're really going to intercede for someone you've got to put yourself in their shoes and you have to agonize over what it is that they're agonizing about that if i'm going to intercede for somebody who's lost their wife i can't just go oh god thank you for them and we know we'll see her again in heaven and thank you for gaining an angel we we, we love you no if i'm going to really intercede i have to identify the pain point and then i have to put myself into their shoes and agonize with them because it goes identification then it goes to agony and he says the third word is then you get the authority then you get the authority for the breakthrough to occur notice what jesus is doing jesus knows he's going to heal lazarus Jesus has the power to heal Lazarus, but he's modeling something for you and I. He says, before I do it, let me weep with them. So if you're in the room today saying nobody understands me, uh, learn this verse, Jesus wept. If you're going through a valley and you don't know how to get out of it, Jesus wept. If you're feeling the worry of this world, Jesus wept. If you're walking in this life wondering, where is everybody else at? I feel all alone. You gotta find some solace and comfort in the simple part that Jesus wept. He understands your grief. And before Jesus takes authority, he first empathizes with our agony. And may it be true about our church. May it be true this week in crew, all you crew leaders, all of you who are going to crew for the first time. Before I take authority and teach some powerful lesson, let me first empathize with the agony of who's here and what they're going through. Jesus wept. Jesus understands grief. Jesus learned the lesson of loss. It's his best friend and now he's died. Jesus understands your tears. I just wanted to bring some encouragement to some people today that if you're crying and if you're grieving, I want you to know that Jesus says three things to you today about your tears. The first thing that Jesus would say to us is he would say, I see them. I I see your tears. Second Kings chapter 20 verse five, go back and tell Hezekiah the ruler of my people This is what the Lord, the God, your father, David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. Jesus sees your tears. That in itself is encouraging to me. Every tear that I shed, he sees them. Do you know that it was God who created crying? I know some of us like dudes were like, yeah. No, God created crying. And if you also don't know, not all tears are created equal. What scientists will tell us is that there's three different types of tears on a common scale. The first are basal tears, which is this is the lubricant that's in your eyes right now that keeps just always there. It keeps your vision happening. Uh, the second type of tears are reflex tears. Uh, yesterday I was at Formula One and I'm still like a big kid. I took the spray 50 sunblock and went <sighs> My wife's like, your face is all white right now, bro. Like, why do you, I'm like, I just gotta get, you know, I gotta get that 50 SPF, but somehow the entire day now, I'm still like, I'm almost 40, but I haven't learned this lesson. All day, my eyes are watering because I've got sunblock in my eye. It's like, people are like, are you emotional? I'm like, no, 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 it's reflex tears, you know? Um, it, it's getting the germs out, it's, got, it's full of antibodies, it shows up when something's coming into the eye. But the third set of tears, is really what we're talking about today, are, are emotional tears. And emotional tears, uh, there's still so much mystery with it because scientists actually believe that when you cry, it's not the same as your basal tears. In fact, it's coming from a different place. It's coming from the emotional side of the brain, that these tears, when they come out, they're actually releasing hormones and proteins that are helping you overcome stress. I firmly believe in crying, by the way. Some of y'all haven't cried in decades, and you're just do a good cry fest, bro. You just gotta, sometimes you gotta get in the minivan and be like, ah! I don't know what song you got to put on, but let it flow. Let it flow from the depths of our soul. Let it flow, Lord, because emotional tears are the language of the heart. When I don't have the words to articulate what I'm going through, it's only in my tears that I can state what's actually happening. And until you've been there and experienced it, it's hard to articulate, but I wanna let you know that God knows the language of your heart, God sees your tears. Matthew 10, 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Not one sparrow falls to the ground apart from God's notice, and neither does one of your tears. All throughout the Bible, we can see moments where God witnesses the tears of his people, and with it, he is moved, he sees them. Genesis twenty-one sixteen. Hagar, the slave woman of Abraham who was taken advantage and gives birth to a boy named Ishmael. And after Isaac, the son of laughter is born. Sarah says, kick the woman out. It's one of those hard moments in scripture that we don't always understand. Why would something that seems so unjust take place? And she's kicked out into the desert and she's about to die is the way she feels. Genesis 21, verse 16. Then she went and sat down opposite of her boy, a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of my child. And as she sat opposite of him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. God saw her tears. God saw her in the desert, weeping, and said, fear not. Hannah, who was distressed over not being able to have a child, And she would go into the temple and she was so hysterical that the priest Eli literally thought she was drunk in church. Talk about a bad day. You're there trying to do the right thing, just being honest with God and the leader of the church is like, yo, come back after you have gotten yourself cleaned up. And she said, no, 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 I am not drunk, but rather I am weeping out of sorrow and grief. And the scripture says in 1 Samuel verse one through 10, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly, but God saw her tears. And in due time, he gave her a son named Samuel who became the greatest prophet arguably that Israel ever saw. If he saw Hannah's tears, something tells me today, he still sees your tears. It was David who prayed in Psalm 6, verse 6, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all of my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. When we get weary of crying, God doesn't get weary of listening. Can I get a witness in the house? He sees your tears. But Jesus doesn't just say, I see your tears. He says something even better. He says, I catch your tears. I don't just see them. I catch them. Psalm 56, verse eight, you have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? He gathers up all of your tears and puts them in the bottle. Just for a moment, can you just stop? I know you might be in a season of grieving and sorrow. You might be in the valley, but step back for a moment. This is the power of being a human being that you can have a moment of self-actualization. You can see yourself in this moment. Step back. And contrast this truth, that he bottles up every one of your tears. Contrast it with Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will, re- I will remember their sins no more. I want you to see this. God records our tears, but forgets our sin. You need to know the God of mercy today. You need to receive his mercy. Every one of your tears, he caught them, he bottled them, he recorded them, but every one of your mishaps and every one of your failures because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, he says, I remember them no more. Somebody give God some praise today. He's forgotten my sin. Some of us in this house, We're in the grieving process and we're experiencing guilt on a whole nother level and much of the guilt is due to our sin. But may you find encouragement today that you need to forget that which God has promised not to remember. If God's forgotten it, you can forget it. Forget about the former things, press towards the future that God has for you. It's a hopeful one. He's the God who catches tears. He's the God who catches tears. Psalm 121 verse 3 says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Jesus, our God, is a faithful parent. I know we got a young church, we got a lot of people in here, especially tonight at 6 p.m. going to be a bunch of Gen Z up in the house. They won't appreciate the illustration, but all the parents in the house, remember, maybe it's not all your kids, but your firstborn. Remember the first time your firstborn got sick? You were like, oh, hoo, 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 hoo. your entire week got messed up. I remember when Wyatt got his first fever. We were in New York City. Dude, I was like, oh, I stayed up all night. Like, just wait, okay, is it three? Can we, give him, can we give him more Motrin? Can we, can we, more Tylenol? More, more, like I wanted to manage the fever. I, I, I love this boy. It's funny after you have multiple kids though, right? With Wyatt, it was like, we had to have everybody come to the hospital. I drove 15 miles under the speed limit home, you know? Like, ooh, is he in the car? It took us 45 minutes to load him up into the car. Waylon, yo, it's like, shoot, bro. You want a Red Bull? Like, you know, like. (laughs) She's crying, she'll be fine. You say, Rich, that doesn't encourage me. Oh, it ought to encourage you. Because Jesus is the firstborn of God, the only begotten Son. And on that cross, you know what Jesus did? He traded places with you. For the right hand is meant for the blessing of the firstborn, but at the cross, God switched his hands, God crossed his arms, and the blessing that belongs to the firstborn fell upon you. God is up in heaven. He's not sleeping. He's not forgetting about you. He is watching you while you sleep. He sees your tears, and he catches every one of them, and he bottles them up, and he records them. Somebody give God some praise. He's a merciful God. Who is this God catching tears? How's he got time for that how's he got time to record all my tears how does he remember all my tears but he forgets all my sin he's that good he's that amazing luke chapter 7 there's a funeral procession taking place i wrote an entire book on the chapter and it's the widow at nain and she is headed out her only son has died and she's headed out to the cemetery but she has no idea that her only son is getting ready to meet god's only son And she doesn't even make the prayer. She doesn't even worship. She doesn't even show up to church. She's headed to the gravesite. She's headed to the funeral. And Jesus sees her tears. And the scripture says he's moved with compassion. There are seasons of life that you don't even have the strength to muster up the words. There are seasons in life when just showing up is all that you can do. But I want to encourage you about the God who catches tears and cares about tears. His compassion for you is enough to move in your direction. (laughs) Imagine rats in a maze and they can't get through. Sympathy is looking at those rats in the maze going, oh, poor rats. They can't can't find their way through. Empathy is different from sympathy. Empathy is going, let me get into that maze with them. But compassion, compassion is not a feeling. Compassion is an action. And he's moved. When he sees your tears, your faithful tears, he's moved with compassion. He's moved to action. He's moved to to change them. This is what we're seeing in John chapter 11. He doesn't just empathize. He's moved with compassion. Take me to the place where you buried him. Take me to the scene of the sorrow. I want to get into that maze, but I'm fixing to turn something around. What you have to understand about God is that although he has the authority, he does not skip the process of grieving. That there's something about our grief, and there's something about our sorrow that we learn about him, but we learn about the situation. He doesn't skip over it. Jesus wept, not good grief, God, grief. He takes this time because he is telling you and I that every tear sown in faithfulness, every tear sown in faithfulness raises up a great banner that we've been talking about, that God is close to the brokenhearted. And if God is close to the brokenhearted, It tells me that he is near. And when he is near, anything, someone say anything. Anything is possible. God sees our tears. God catches our tears. But lastly, God turns our tears into shouts of joy. Jesus would look at you today weeping in your crisis and in your grief, and you would say, I see them. I catch them. And I turn them. John 16, verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Tears will dry up, and grief will, will lessen its grip. You will come through there is light inside of you. Second Corinthians chapter four teaches us that everything that we're facing in this life, the pain, the suffering, the persecution, the grief, is preparing you for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And I actually believe that tears are seeds. That as we sow tears into the ground, I'm not talking about weeping over worldly things. I'm not talking about weeping over sin and weeping over things that are not of God. I'm talking about real grief. But as we sow these tears in faith, I believe we will reap a harvest of laughter, a harvest of joy. Joy is not cheap. Happiness is, is cheap. I'm all for happiness. did a whole collection this year called Happy, Healthy, Only, all for it. But happiness, is, it can be so fleeting. Joy isn't cheap. Joy is usually birthed out of deep sorrow. It's happiness that is rightfully appreciated. It's happiness that's counted the cost. It's happiness that's confronted reality. It's happiness that's walked through valleys. It's happiness that's been through loss. It's happiness that's witnessed death. That's what joy is. It's, it's not cheap. It's appreciated. It's held, saying this is beautiful. It's stewarded well. It's, it's joy that springs up. Just like the disciples, as they're waiting for Jesus to be crucified, it was only till they got to Sunday. Do you know what day it is? It's Sunday. And all of their sorrow and all of their tears, they were turned to shouts of joy, shouts of resurrection. Maybe you're here and you're saying, that sounds impossible. How on earth could this sorrow that I'm in right now, how on earth could this valley ever be made straight? How on earth could this heartache ever become hopeful how on earth could I ever get through this which I just don't see how it's possible I hear today that's okay we don't have to know how that's where faith kicks in how is not up to you how is up to God he's in the business of how trust him don't give up on him The Bible says that Jesus says this sickness will not end in death, but God will get glory. Let me wait two more days. Two days pass and he shows up to Bethany and everyone's hysterical and everyone's crying. Where were you? You should have been here. I thought you were gonna be here, but you didn't show up. We wrote you the letter. We went to church. We've been supporting you. We've been serving you. Where were you? Where were you? Where were you? I love what Jesus says to Martha. You got to go back and read it. Jesus says, Martha, he's going to actually resurrect. See, what I've learned about God, and I've said it before. If God always meets your expectation, how on earth can he ever exceed them? How can He ever exceed it? That's who He is. He's the God who does exceedingly, immeasurably, more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. They wanted a healing, but Jesus wanted a resurrection. Oh, I could preach that all night. You wanted a promotion. God wanted a new business. You wanted a boyfriend. God wanted to get you a husband that was worthy to walk with you. They wanted healing. He said, now I'm gonna wait two more days because I wanna show you about resurrection. And Martha, she's so smart and she's so theological and she knows everything. She's got it all. I know, Lord, I know. On the great day of resurrection, we will see him again, which by the way is a very powerful truth. But on this day, on this occasion, Jesus was saying, no, 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 I've come to exceed some expectations. Martha, just in case you don't know, uh, I'm not talking about resurrection in the future. I wanna let you know I am the resurrection and the life. I didn't come with an old covenant. I came with a new one. Today, you don't have to wait Today, I am the one you have been waiting for. Take me to where he is. And the scripture says they take him over to the gravesite. And Jesus, he says, roll the stone away. And as they roll the stone away, you can imagine the body's been in the tomb now. He's been dead for four Days, four days dead. In Jewish custom, they believe that the soul would leave the body after day three. I think it's on purpose, for a purpose, for you and I in 2023 to read this text and say, what's up with four? Four is not a coincidence. Four is on purpose by Jesus. Just to let everybody know, you think four means that I can't still do what I want to do? I am God in the flesh. Omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. I have authority. I identify with your pain, I've agonized with your pain, but I'm fixing to take authority over your pain. he says, Lazarus, come forth. And you can't preach the text without making note, it's important that he called him by name. Because had he not called him by name, Every dead thing up in that gravesite would have come out of that place. He had to be specific. I'm not talking about all y'all. I'm talking about you. I see you. I see your tears. I caught your tears. I'm turning your tears. Lazarus! You come forth. Lazarus comes out of that grave. This is thriller. Thriller. Walks out of that grave. And I believe Jesus is saying to every one of us today: There's some things that you keep declaring that are dead. He says it's not dead; it's dormant. And your tears, your tears shed in faith, are watering the seeds of that which you believe is dead but is actually dormant. You are not buried. You are planted. And as your tears of emotion speak the language of your heart that you cannot articulate, jesus is here to say to every one of you i am the resurrection and the life this is not something that i do this is something that i am i don't care if it's been three days i don't care if it's been four days i don't care if it's been five years ten years 50 years when i show up i have the authority to speak life to that which is dead and you can watch things come up out of the grave Someone say, God, grief. Say, God, grief. Jesus wept. God, grief. Who is this God who understands me, who gets me, who loves me, who meets me where I am? God, grief. God, grief. God, grief. Believing that Jesus will turn my tears into shouts of joy does not negate the fact that we will grieve. It doesn't stop us from going through valleys of sorrow and pain and loss and hurt and heartache and areas where I don't understand and why did this happen and I don't want to go through this. It will still happen. But we trust in him. We trust in his identity. I was talking to my counselor a couple weeks ago. We were talking on the area of empathy. And he said, Rich, you know there's something that moves past empathy. I said, what is that? He said, it's what some psychologists call attunement. I said, what do you mean? He said, have you heard the term attune? I said, yes. Attune, it simply means to bring into accord, harmony or sympathetic relationships. It's it's when you get into harmony. And attunement takes place when two parties have empathized with each other and have chosen to understand one another. Now they get into a harmony and it's in the area of attunement that you can receive. I can preach for four weeks in a row and I can speak to your soul, but at some point, If you do not receive the love of God, you miss out on the ministry of Jesus. He empathizes with you, he's Christ in crisis. But at some point you have to inhale the belief of that and come into a place of attunement with him, of harmony with him. It's when you do that, that all of a sudden you open your heart to receive his ministry. And what is his ministry? It's the ministry of mercy. Every week one, what do we say? Hold fast, get close, receive mercy. God's authority gives you strength to endure in the crisis. It's an everlasting hope that this world is not my final destination. So church, keep on reading your Bible when it feels stale. Keep on praying when you don't get your answer. Keep showing up to church Even when you're sitting in the row going, "Eh, no one here understands what I'm going through. They just see me. Keep serving, even though you have sorrows of your own. Some of you have convinced yourself, I'll start serving at church once I get my life together. Ah. Join the club, we're all a work in progress. Start serving today, serve in sorrow. Keep on planting the word of God in your heart until, someone say until, until he calls us home because in the end as we endure through the crisis we will stand before our maker in heaven and he won't just see our tears he won't just catch our tears and he won't just turn our tears oh but friends he will wipe them all away Revelation 21:4. he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away." So whether you get your resurrection in this life, or you have to endure to the next life, know that we will stand before our Maker, and when we stand before Him, He will wipe our tears away. But until that moment, why don't we let a spirit of faith come upon us? And why don't we choose to worship him on this side of eternity? The only place where I can praise God while I'm grieving. The only place I can praise God while the marriage is falling apart. The only place I can praise God when my son is a prodigal. The only place I can praise God when the business has been destroyed. The only place I can praise God when I got cancer in my body. Hey, cancer, it wants to tell you it's got the final word, but you can stand up in this house And say, Cancer, you are not in charge. I know a God who's bigger and better, and one day He will wipe every tear away. If you believe it today, go ahead and give God some praise all over this house.
0: Give Him praise. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we aren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in your next steps on your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com forward slash online. We love you.